Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up, and move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Rob Murray. Now, a lot of the athletes that I've had on the show before have been from the football world, but not all, but many. And today we've got Rob, who is the first former hockey athlete and current coach to join us. So Rob, welcome to the show. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you join us today. Let me just share with our guests a little bit more about your background before we get into it. So Rob has been involved with professional hockey for 33 years. 16 of those years were as a player in both the NHL and the American Hockey League. And he's played over, get this, over 1,000 games in the AHL. And in 2017, Rob was inducted into the AHL Hall of Fame. And for the other 17 years, Rob has been a coach, and he currently is the head coach of the Tulsa Oilers. Again, Rob, glad to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So you and I have talked before about different sports and how there are so many lessons you can learn from all sports and from being an athlete. And so I just want to first open it up with a general question. Talk to us about your athletic career as a hockey player and what are some of those things that you've learned along the way that have really positioned you to be successful in life? Well, I think that uh, it goes back to my junior days. I played in the Ontario Hockey League in Peterborough, Ontario. And the three years that I spent there really molded my concepts of work ethic uh, what it takes, dedication. And, uh, you know, we were a very tightly knit team the three years that I was there. And then when I turned pro, you know, I saw the difference where guys came from different organizations. You know, once you turn pro, there's guys coming from all, all over the place. And uh, I could see the difference that, you know, they didn't learn what I had learned in, in Peterborough. And I, I really go back to those days and, you know, when I was 18, 19, 20, how that really molded my perception of how to carry myself and, and, and what was what was expected of me. And I was very disappointed, to be quite honest, with a lot of the players that came from other organizations that didn't have that work ethic, didn't have that dedication, and were just, I don't know, a lot of times just there for the fun of it kind of thing. And But I took it seriously. It was a job. I was lucky enough. I was drafted by the Washington Capitals in the third round in uh, 1985. And I turned pro. Uh, my first year, I pl- actually played in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which was in the old IHL. And I spent a year there. And then from there, I moved on to Baltimore, which was uh, the Washington Capitals minor league team in, in the American Hockey League. And uh, I spent uh, two years there. And then uh, the third year, I, I made the Capitals roster and I spent two years off and on in, in the lineup with the Capitals and then got traded to Winnipeg. And my career has taken me all over the place. But I think what going back to my junior days is what, you know, just kind of drove me and and made me the player I was and the value that I brought to the game that I think it was very noticeable. And and I was an asset. I was a captain on in the American League, at least I was I was a captain of six of the teams that I was on. And I was always looked upon as a leader, 
a guy that could help the young guys out when once I was into the my career five or six years. So I think that you see it too in the coaching world where I can look at players and you know you, you just shake your head because the God given talent is there yet sometimes they, they don't take it serious enough and and sometimes it's too late. You know they they've missed the boat. But uh, that's why I try to instill in my guys and on a daily basis is the work ethic, whether it be practice or, or games or just the day off where we have a, a workout or a, a spin class or something like that, where, you know, every day you got to come to work and you, you got to do your job and you got to do it to the best of your ability. Sure. And as a captain of the team and as a coach, I mean, you're a leader for these guys. And what kind of responsibility do you feel as being a leader? And what have you done over the years to kind of keep your teammates focused and energized? Well, it's it's actually, it's, it's a work in progress, honestly. Like there's a couple of times when I'll, I'll be just recently, actually this year, we've had a kind of an up and down year. We're, we're actually on a, a pretty good streak right now, but you try to give a message that it'll resonate with the players where that they can take from it and use it going into the game. And, and I, I think that like consistency is one of the, one of the biggest things that I preach to these guys. And I think as a, as a coach coming in, one of my biggest tasks I, I feel is to teach these guys how to be professionals in the hockey world or, or in general. And, and uh, it's, as I said, it was, it's an ongoing battle almost on a daily basis where you have to come up with a, a different scheme. Like you, know, you can't get redundant with stuff. You have to make sure that something's fresh. There was a, a time last week where I pulled up an article on myself and uh, it was very flattering. It, it had a lot of quotes from different players that I had played with through the years and how they had said about me that, you know, I would do anything to win a game. I would block a shot with my face. I would fight anybody. I would do anything for the team. And, you know, I said to the guys, I said, I'm going to post this story. I said, it's not about me. It's, it's what, what is somebody going to say about you? That last day when you take your skates off, what is it that your teammates, your opponents, other coaches will say about you? What are the good things? And my point was, make sure somebody has something good to say about you when it's all said and done. And uh, I posted that article, tried to tell the guys it's not about me. I'm not patting myself on the back, but this is something that I looked at and I was very proud of that. I had teammates. I had former coaches that, you know, even opponents that, that said in this article, how hard it was to play against me or hard, how, how enjoyable it was to play with me. So that was one of the things that I, again, I was very proud of this article and, and I wanted to instill in the guys. And I think we won that night. But then I think it was two nights later we lost and it's again and we didn't play as well as I expected and my up to my standards. And then I'm I'm trying to think of another scheme to come up with to kind of give to these guys. And you know, one of the things that I used to use and you can't really do it anymore because all our all our games are online. A lot of the parents come to the games and stuff. But like when I first started playing, my parents had no way to watch our, our games. When I was in the NHL, they did, but in the American League, none of the games are telecast, but everything's now streaming online. And I, I'd say that tonight, pretend your parents are in the stands. You know, make them proud. Be the player, be the person that, that they expect you to be. And 
I'm not able to use that line so much anymore because everybody watches uh, every game. So you just got to come up with different different things. And as I said, you can't become redundant. You can't say the same thing. You got you to gotta have a different message almost on a, uh, on a daily basis. But you got to stay consistent in your, or at least I have to con- stay consistent in my standards of work ethic, uh, competitiveness, and, uh, you know, just being ready to play. And, you know, that, that sometimes it goes for every sport, Jen, like you look, teams get off to a slow start. Why? Well, I mean, it's as, as simple as you're just not ready. You know, you, you, you got to be ready when that puck drops at the 20 minute mark of the first period. No, that's great. And we hear leaders talking all the time about consistency is key if you want to continue to move the ball and, and reach successes. And sometimes in life, things don't get off to a great start or they're not going so great. And to use a football term, sometimes we fumble the ball, right? And so when that happens to you, how do you bounce back from that and continue to be consistent and pick up, you know, where you left off and keep moving forward? Well, I think it, you put in a system play that you feel comfortable with. And as long as you maintain that, I think that you can't vary from what works. And I'll use an example. Last year, we went to the conference finals uh, against Toledo. We won our division. We won our playoffs to the Mountain Division here in the ECHL. And we went seven games against Toledo. And I came in this season. And in our league, there's a huge turnover. There's about probably every year you got 10 new faces in the locker room and 10 returning guys. And so it's a different makeup. And and I get that. But, you know, I, I say that to the guys like, what we did last year that got us to the conference finals and we went to seven games against Toledo and lost in the last game that would have put us in the championship. We're doing the same thing. We're, we're, we're playing the same systems. It's just about execution. And when the execution is off, that's when teams fail. And it's not unlike, as you just men- mentioned, fumbling in, in football, interceptions, anything that, that goes that way, that's, you're not executing your game plan properly. And I think that the thing that I stress is that this works. And if we can execute it, regardless what our lineup looks like, if we're full of skilled guys, we're full of what you call pluggers in hockey, where guys that just grind it out, you know, this should work. And uh, you stick to your game plan. Now, as a coach, you have to make adjustments just like any level of sports. I think that you you have to make adjustments maybe from game to game, quite often within a game. And if if that's my job to be the eyes to see what's what the other team, what the other opponents are doing and try to adjust to what we can do to be successful within that game. As my consistency, I guess the team's consistency has to start with the coach. You have to be consistent. You have to make sure that you're you're giving the same message every every game, every night, every day at practice. And have the guys prepared. The worst thing for me as a coach will be standing there on the bench. And because I, because I do so much video work, pre-scouting games, and so the team that we're playing that night, I am very familiar with. And if I'm standing on the bench and I see something and I realize I hadn't told the guys about this, that's on me. I mean, I have to be prepared just as much as the players do. And that comes... That comes from my my job to get make sure that these guys are ready, that we don't get surprised by anything in the game, and that uh, we maintain that consistency with our system play, and then the adjustments that come throughout the game that or as I said uh, game to game 
perhaps. So you mentioned preparation, which is important no matter whether you're playing professional sports or or off the field and just in everyday life. I mean, preparation is key. And just share with us, I mean, how much time do you and your players spend reviewing game film or just preparing to get ready for the game? A common week would be like we have this week. We we played on Sunday. Uh, we we play actually a Thursday night game this this week, which is not very common. Our schedule is weekend loaded, and that goes for towards like NHL. You're going to sell out the building any night of the week. I think at this level, you have to go to you know what's going to work, and that's the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday dates. So our preparation is. Myself, I've got an assistant coach here, Zach Desjardins, and Zach and I will, you know, we'll break down the film from be it a previous game that we've played the the same team or maybe their previous game that they played a, a different opponent. And what we do is we will watch the games and we'll uh, break down the the video, prepare it for the guys. And so on an, any given night, we'll have a we most of our games are at seven o'clock in the evening, and and so at five ten in the late afternoon, we'll have a video meeting, and it's a pre-scout video that basically goes over all their tendencies, what maybe perhaps in a in a previous game that we've played them that worked, that was successful against them, and uh, prepare the guys that way. You know, a little bit of individual meetings. Sometimes you got to bring a guy in and, and maybe he's not playing as well and kind of sit him down and talk to him. And But the majority of it is just video. And, uh, you know, we, we put a lot of time into that. We have the tools in order to capture games and, and do the video cutups within our in our computers. So I guess it's time consuming and it's uh, a lot of busy work. But but again, that's the side of the, the equation that I have to be in the preparation side of it, these guys have to be prepared. And for me, that that goes a long way. You, you got to know you can't get surprised once the game starts. As far as the individual player, I think the preparation, it's how they prepare themselves physically really throughout the day. And we, we have a pregame skate at 10 o'clock in the morning. We're only out there maybe for 20 minutes and they get just to get a, a little bit of a sweat, get the, the wheels turning. You know, the guy, most of the guys eat early around noon and then uh, maybe a little bit later than that a lot of guys like myself uh, I like to take a nap on a, on a day of a game so you catch maybe hour and a half two hour nap in the afternoon and then get to the rink and be prepared and, and focus I think that the guys the it's it's you know the music's blaring in the dressing room it's an upbeat uh, scene and uh, you know we get get prepared that way and and again it's it's now it becomes back to the individual player himself, there's got to be an onus there where he's got to make sure that he's prepared and be ready to go when the, the puck drops. So have you ever had a situation where a player was just completely unprepared and you had to, to pull them off to the side and say, dude, what's going on? Or or have a talk with them afterwards? Yeah, <laughs> almost <laughs> almost on a daily basis. Um, you know, for example, this morning practice, uh, we, you know, get back to consistency. Once the season gets started, I don't mess around with the drills as far as there, there's not too many times that we'll do a new drill. A lot of times I don't even have to go to the board and the dry erase board and, and explain the drill. And we're doing a drill this morning and we've done it. I, I can't tell you how many times we've done it this season. I just, you know, called it out. I said, we're doing uh, 
over under shooting. And there was two guys standing in line. And when I blew the whistle, they didn't go. And they're looking at me and I'm like, what are you doing? And they said, we don't know the drill. I'm like, what do you mean you don't? Well, then get back, get to the back of the line. And then so I, I, I pulled them aside and I said, how do you guys not know the drill? Oh, we didn't hear you. And I'm like, well, then ask me what drill we're doing. So it, you know, sometimes I, I think the guys almost get on autopilot at times and, and you wonder how much is sinking in when you talk because it's the same thing, Jen, in a game, like within, within a play and to the casual observer, they would never pick it up, but I'll see it. And the guy will come back to the bench and I'll say, where were you going? Oh, well, I was, I thought I was supposed to go to the puck there or, or no, I said, no, you were the, you were supposed to be the F2 in the neutral zone holding the middle lane. And we've done this over and over again. And because of it, one, one play leads to another. Like, and that's one of the things that I do in the video. If, if it's not a pre-scout, we'll do video just on a, on a regular day. And what I like to show is the progression of call it a mistake, but maybe just poor positioning in the offensive zone that leads to the opportunity against in the defensive zone uh, against our own own net that you can see the progression through through the whole length of the ice that this is why it, it's not because the guy took a good shot once they got in into our zone it's because we weren't in the right position when they had when we had the puck in their zone and so guys uh, you know sometimes like i said it, hockey is a very fluid and reactionary game and and you can put systems in place, but unlike football, you know, you start from a, a dead stop. Every play is is choreographed, and this is where you're supposed to go. Hockey is, you know, you've got a little bit of that, but a lot of it is just you're, you're thinking on your feet. And But when you're within system play and, uh, you know, you get one or two guys that are out of position or, or, or don't do it, what they were supposed to do in, in that uh, situation, it becomes a little – uh, maddening as a coach, but it's, it's all part of it. I mean, it's all a learning process and, you know, you, you just, you, you learn, right? And so it, it happens a lot. Thanks for sharing that. So talk to us about the transition from when you went from being a player to a coach. What was that like? And what are a couple differences being a coach versus being a player? Well, I played 16 years, but I, I would say maybe after my 14th year, I was, I, I'd always I'd always just had my mindset that I was going to be a coach. I, I, you know, quite honestly, I didn't know anything else than other than hockey and at the time. But, you know, I, I think that when I was, let's say, after my 14th year pro, I started looking into being a coach and, and put it, sending out resumes and, and getting in contact with people. Nothing came about. And then after my 15th year, same thing. The summer came and went. So I, I, I just resigned and, and kept playing. I was still a valuable asset. So I had no problem finding a job as a player. So, I did, you know, in order to stay in the game, I kept playing. And then after my 16th year, it was actually the summer that that year where nothing had come along. And uh, finally, I got a call from Boston and uh, they were looking for an assistant coach in Providence. So I met with the GM and the assistant general manager in Toronto. They were in at an arbitration meeting in Toronto. And so I went down and met with them and they called me the next morning, and offered me the job. So that's how my transition into coaching went. I, I always had my mindset that I was going to be a coach. Once I got behind the bench, 
I tell you, Jen, it, it took me a good year not to want to jump on the ice. Uh, it was I wanted so badly to be out there and and play. And uh, I think my frustration of watching guys not do what I thought my you know would have been should have been done in a, any any situation. It was it was tough, but I, I got past that. And uh, a lot of it is you know you, you gotta you gotta walk that line where. You want to keep a good relationship with the players. And I think as a former player, it tends to hold a lot of clout with, with players because you've been there, you've done this. And, um, you know, you can kind of go from experience where you can say to these guys, I know I was there. I knew those nights when I was hurting, when I was, I didn't feel like I just couldn't do it, but I did. You got to power through those situations. So, when I say talk, walking a fine line, you got to keep a, you want to keep a relationship with the guys that are, is, is a friendly relationship. You want to be friends with them, yet you're still the boss. So, you know, you, you got to keep that separate, yet I want the guys to know that I'm there for them and that uh, they could come to me with any issues. And, and I've had that through the years where I've got a guy knock on the door and, you know, there's family situations, girlfriend, wife, whatever, or, you know. Uh, sickness in the family it's the game of hockey or any sports we we don't not have those things going on in our lives and and for me to kind of be a hard guy that they can't communicate with is is not going to help my situation at all so I try to keep that fine line between being a friend and also being their boss being their head coach so it's uh it's sometimes it's tough but my transition to coaching, I, I think I was prepared. Uh, I, I was ready for it. Uh, my first couple of years uh, as I uh, was assistant coach for five years uh, under a, a guy that uh, by the name of Scott Gordon. Scott is, he, he made it to the NHL. He's, uh, he's coached the Islanders. He coached the Philadelphia Flyers. Now he's back in the American League in Lehigh Valley, which is the, the Flyers American League affiliate. And he was great. I honestly say when I, I look back at my coaching career, if it wasn't for him and what I learned from him as to get into coaching, and as I came in, yeah, I was a former player, but I'd never done it. I'd never been a coach. I, I kind of came in blind and he taught me uh, so many things that I, I, I carry with me today and, and very thankful that that was the guy that I got to work with when I, I, I first started coaching. Well, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing. I think it's always important to have people in our lives and no matter what profession we're in that can help be a coach for us and, and guide us and, and help us kind of learn and grow as leaders. And going back to what you were saying with your players and treating them as humans and listening and, and making sure that they feel like they can be heard and come to you with problems. I think for us, as we are uh, in our own careers and in our lives, remembering that people that we work with are human beings first and foremost. And so you want to be relatable to them and also know that you care and be a compassionate leader as well as hold them accountable, right? On the things that they need to get done. So I want to switch gears a little bit and let's talk about family for a minute. You like me have five kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we both have big spreads uh, between our oldest and our our youngest. I know you have a couple, uh, a couple boys that play hockey too. So I'm going to ask you this question first. What do you think is harder to deal with, girls or boys? <laughs> um, well, depending on which one you ask me about, uh, I definitely girls are harder to work with. But uh, <laughs> I think that uh, they're all individuals. They're all different. They all got their 
pluses and minuses and and uh, you just got to treat them you know individually and and you know I know my wife and I we we get into that comparison and it's only natural you compare one to the other and and they're all different the different personalities different focus and in, in different things and and uh so yeah my i have my 24 year old daughter taylor she lives with me here in tulsa and then uh, i have an 18 year old son zachary he's a he's a hockey player himself he's actually he was drafted in, in the north american hockey league which is a, a junior hockey league in the united states by corpus christi he'll be playing there next season he's now playing uh in uh the dc area with the little capitals and then my son brendan He's 12. He, he's also playing there. And then I have a daughter, Quinn, who's a freshman in high school, who's uh, 15. And then uh, my little girl, Mackenzie, she's six and uh, in kindergarten this year, first year of school. So she was our she was our Alaska baby when we were up in Alaska. I coached there for six years and she was our Alaska baby. Oh, well, enjoy the moments because girls can be a headache. I have four, so I know, but there's a lot of fun moments along the way, too. So being in the pro sports world can be a really demanding job, both as a player and as a coach. And how have you over the years kind of maintained that balance in your life and, and made sure to have time and support your, your kids and, and your wife and your family? Well, fortunately, um, I always equate being a hockey player or being a hockey coach, kind of like a school teacher. You get the summers off. And uh, a lot of time that you lost throughout the season, throughout the, the winter months, uh, you can regain those in, in the summer. And, and I spend, you know, I have my, I mean, I still have obligations to my job throughout the summertime, but I, I don't have a desk job that I have to be at an office every day. And so I have a lot of time to spend with my family during the summer and we make up for the time that we uh, missed. It's tough. Uh, you know, I, you move around quite a bit. We've lived in multiple places. Uh, as I mentioned, we were in a lot. We went from, I was in Rhode Island for for eight years, and then we moved to Alaska. You could not get two further places apart in in, the, in North America, basically, or in uh, the United States. So we've, we've done a lot of moving, a lot of traveling. It's hard on the kids, moving out of schools, uh, into new schools, making new friends. I think they're going to be better for it in the long run, quite honestly, but it's tough. I mean, it's in the moment, it's tough and, and you feel for them. But uh, my wife, Carolyn, has been very supportive of me through all the years, all the moves. And uh, I'm grateful to that because my uh, my family, if, if, I if I didn't have the support of the family and for what I do, I, that'd be very tough. And, and I get great support from them. That's great. And I think that's important for all of us to remember that uh, as we're looking to find our way, grow our career and be successful, it really is about the people around us and our support system. And that's what really allows us to be able to be successful in our own lives. So I want to do something fun. I'm going to do what I call my two minute drill. So I'm going to ask you seven questions. And right. <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What is your favorite food? Um, I like a flank steak and it, it's usually we have it in the summer on the barbecue. It's probably what it, my go-to as my favorite. I'm, I've changed my diet quite a bit. I, I've actually lost a lot of weight late, lately. And so I've been eating a lot of salmon, but I don't, I don't want to say that salmon's my favorite, but I'd go with the flank steak. Okay. 
Good choice. Uh, favorite movie? Well, I, I got a couple that I think that really come to mind. Uh, I really like Shawshank Redemption. I'm old school in a lot of ways, and and you know I like older movies. Cool Hand Luke is probably one of my favorites with Paul Newman, and then one that I don't I, I think they made a remake not too long ago, Papillon. I remember as a little kid, I don't know, I stayed up. I think my parents fell asleep, and I, I ended up watching this movie, and I was just intrigued with it, and uh, with uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, Steve McQueen. Uh, I've always been always been one of my favorites. Very cool. What is your favorite sports team? Well, growing up, it was the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, even growing up in Toronto, I wasn't a Toronto Maple Leaf fan. And uh, reason being is my favorite player was Gilbert Perrault. And he played on a, a line that was called the, the French Connection in, in, in Buffalo. Gilbert uh, Perrault, Rene Robert, uh, Rick Martin. I can't say that I, I necessarily have a, a favorite hockey team. We, I do. I'm affiliated with the St. Louis Blues. So, you know, obviously they won the, the Stanley Cup last year. So big fan of the St. Louis Blues. But Outside of hockey, New England Patriots are always, to me, they just intrigue me as, as far as the work that Bill Belichick's done there. And, and as a coach now, uh, looking at how, how he, we talked about adjustments earlier in the interview, like the adjustments he makes at halftime and, and the success they've had there, is, it's remarkable. And uh, I really, I respect him and I respect the, that organization and Spending eight years in New England and a lot of time in New England as a player, I think New England Patriots would be at the top of my list. Yes, a phenomenal team, great leadership, great talent there. And uh, so that's a great team to have at the top of your list. Next question, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? When I was playing my, my second to last year, I played in St. John, New Brunswick. I was under contract with the Calgary Flames, and that was their American League affiliate. My coach at the time was a guy named Jim Playfair. And Jim told me once, and I think he, he, he kind of knew I was looking to get into coaching. And he said to me, he said, Rob, always remember, they don't know what they don't know. And I kind of sat back. I said, what does that mean? And then as I became a coach, it, it, it really dawned on me. Like your expectations of a player is that they know what they're supposed to do or, or they know what they're supposed to do in a situation. And if you don't tell them, Sometimes they don't know. So, you know, they don't know what they don't know. And you should never hold back any information, I guess, is the, is the bottom line. I think that's a great piece of advice because sometimes we assume that people know things and they don't. And so we should not make that assumption. That's right. It's, it, it, and that is the exact word, assumption. I mean, you, you, you assume that they know and they don't because maybe you didn't tell them. Sure. So I'm going to flip it now and ask, what's the best piece of advice you would give someone? Well, for me, uh, and, you know, I, I feel like I, I had to work every day hard at, at what I achieved as a coach, as a, as a player. And, um, you know, for me, it's always be grateful. Don't take what you have for granted because there's always somebody looking to take your job. And do not get out of that seat until you absolutely have to. And, uh, you know, make sure that you're doing – doing your job to the best of your ability every day um, and take pride in your job. Like come, come to the rink, go to the office, whatever line of work you, you have, take pride in what you do and do it at the best of your ability and never take it for granted. Oh, that's great. All right. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? Well, Jen, I come across as a very hard guy and 
I think it's just my persona. I'm not necessarily like that. People always comment that I never smile and I'm not, I am, I am, I can be gruff yet. I, I think I do have a, a very soft side and I think that's what people don't realize about me. I, I can be a soft guy and, um, just cause I don't smile doesn't mean I'm not happy. And, uh, at times I think people even, you know, people that work for me find me intimidating at times and, and, uh, maybe that's good. Uh, keep them in line, but, uh, I'm, I'm a very approachable guy. I, I really am. And I, I think maybe that's what, uh, gets missed and, uh, uh, by, by people when they, you know, once they get to know me, they, they realize that, but I think on the, outside or you know exterior it looks that way that i'm not very approachable but i am got it and the last question if you could be any superhero who would you be and why well i'm gonna go with superman i just you know outside of the kryptonite he seems invincible and it's something that uh i think we all aspire to be is invincible and uh that, that would be my my go-to as a superhero Great. Well, thank you for sharing that and, and doing the two minute drill. So uh, for those of you listening, um, I hope you've enjoyed our chat with Rob today. Uh, check out the Tulsa Oilers. We'll have links to their website, TulsaOilers.com, uh, as well as all their social channels in the show notes. So please check them out, follow them. We are still in the Oilers uh, season. So through uh, beginning of April. So hopefully you'll check out a game as well. And uh, Rob, as we wrap up today's show, uh, any last thoughts for our listeners? Well, no, I just want to thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I uh, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, we do do a very good job here at promoting the team in Tulsa. But I think with any minor league sports, it's a grind. And, uh, you know, the more fan support we can get, you know, we are in the South and uh, hockey is not, well, I shouldn't say that hockey is very popular now in the South, but, uh, People are not as maybe educated in the game as as maybe somebody in the north would be or Canada, but uh, it's it's a great entertainment value, uh, definitely, especially the minor leagues. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and if you can come out to a game, we'd love to have you. So again, if you're in the Tulsa area or in the South, make a trip up, check out the game, check them out on their social channels. And again, Rob, thank you so much for being on our show today. I appreciate it, Jen. Thank you for having me. And thanks again, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you on the next episode. Until next time, make sure that you suit up, that you show up, and that you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also, Join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.